Hello, and welcome to this fireside chat with Nick Beckstead. I'm Brian, and I'll be interviewing Nick for this fireside chat. It is my pleasure to introduce Nick for this session. Nick is a program officer for the Open Philanthropy Project, which he joined in 2014. He oversees a substantial part of Open Philanthropy's research and grant making related to global catastrophic risk reduction. Previously, he led the creation of Open Phil's grant making program in scientific research. Uh, prior to that, he was a research fellow at the Future of Humanity Institute at Oxford University. Nick also did a PhD in philosophy, philosophy from Rutgers University, where he wrote a dissertation on the importance of shaping the distant future. So this fireside chat will be uh, Q&A about the uh, one hour uh, talk that Nick gave. Uh, if uh, Hopefully you've watched that, but if you have not, um, this should still be somewhat useful uh, and we hope to cover useful ground for you. So welcome, Nick. Thanks. All right, yeah, so I guess as a first question first, um, uh, what are you specifically working on at OpenPhil currently and how do you divide your time across different buckets of activities? Um, I'm, I'm primarily focused on, um, on grant making in AI alignment, um, which I work on with um, Daniel Dewey and Catherine Olson. Um, so I, a, a big focus right now is making grants in, uh, in adversarial robustness. And, uh, and um, I also work with, with Joe Carl Smith on, uh, on um, a, a report on AI alignment that, that Joe's recently started on. And then I, I do kind of a variety of some other things. So advising pieces of our grant making in um, to the effective altruist community. And, uh, and I'm on the board of the Center for Effective Altruism and spend some time advising in that capacity. Well, uh, so we can dig deeper now to the specifics of your talk. So uh, in your talk, you talked about three scenarios of how an existential catastrophe could arise from high-level machine intelligence. So these were stable authoritarianism, uh, slow takeoff, or like we we get into this entrenched uh, dystopian society, um, and then the, the, a fast takeoff scenario, which is uh, the AI just recursively self-improves, and uh, there there there's a lot of risks from that. Um, so, which of these three three scenarios do you think are most plausible, and why? Yeah, so I think that the I think my views on this are in in flux to some degree, but um I kind of think the sort of stable authoritarianism one feels the most plausible to me at the moment. Um and I guess if I was going to say something about why it's uh it's something like there's just some kind of like some high level argument of um government oppression has been the source of a lot of the, a lot of the, the, the worst human misery over the last century. And, and uh, there's a lot of ways in which it seems like very powerful AI in the hands of uh, a government that wants to use it to oppress its people would be, um, would be difficult. It, it just seems like kind of particularly well-suited to that. So a lot of the factors that make uh, an oppressive regime go away eventually um, feel like they're kind of attenuated by a scenario in which um, you have, you have really powerful AI systems. So this is somewhat 
of uh, I feel like of, of a contrarian take in uh, amongst people in the effective altruist community that are interested in AI alignment. And it's not really like guiding a lot of my actions right now, but th that is kind of something that I think and it's something that I'm thinking about right now. And, uh, you know, could, could easily change my views on that as I reflect on it. I think there's a lot of ifs about that. And it's, it's far from clear that, um, you know, even if, even if kind of, you know, you, you have, you have, you have, uh, you know, a lot of people under control of some oppressive government empowered by AI, AI, it's far from clear that that sort of remains bad forever. I think it probably doesn't. Um, but, you know, there's, it, 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 it seems like it's a less conjunctive scenario that that kind of occurs and remains bad forever than some of the other ones. And then, you know, I think the slower takeoff scenario is probably, is probably more likely than the fast takeoff scenario, but I think it's also less, less risky. I think the, the gradual nature of that and there being less of a kind of winner take all dynamic um, seems like it uh, also presents lower risk. And uh, so that, that would be my, my, my quick summary of it. Um, there's just a final caveat. I think the fast takeoff scenario doesn't have to necessarily be a self, a recursive self-improvement thing. Um, it could be that um, it, uh, but there also could just be, be other reasons um, that, 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 it, that it shakes out that way. Um, uh, such as, uh, you know, such as um, just the shape of, you know, figure maybe maybe that maybe this the fast takeoff occurs by kind of really figuring out human culture for the first time in such a way that you can really like absorb effectively all the available information um or there's some you could kind of think of that as a fast takeoff or a recursive self-improvement thing but it's not exactly in some ways and anyway i just wanted to, i think that one's like a little bit broader uh, although that is the kind of classical story just to dig in a bit more uh could you paint a bigger, a better picture of how exactly or how could stable authoritarianism come into play? Is it like, okay, uh, if an AI company that developed, uh, an AI organiza organization develops transformative AI um, and this is in a specific country that the government of that specific country would could use it in a way that's oppressive and authoritarian? Or do you feel it doesn't have to happen in that government? It could be a different government taking control somehow. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, I guess there's kind of like two, two pieces of this, or there's, I guess there's a lot of questions. One of them would be like, you know, why are they doing this? There's also like, how do they, how is it, how does it take place? And there's also like, why is it stable? Um, you know, uh, I feel like it's easiest to answer like why it would be stable. Um, so often, you know, a kind of oppressive, oppressive regime ends because the leader dies and it, it, it feels like, um, or because there's kind of like a coup or a loyalty crisis of some kind. And it seems like AI really changes, um, changes all of these factors. And, um, you know, there's, there's limitations on like the information processing capacity of a state and the surveillance capacity of a state. And, you know, these things kind of, would those things would those those factors would really be dramatically lessened if if you're kind of imagining some kind of fully general um, general AI systems that are being used. So, so I think that those those are some of the, some of the thoughts on on the stability piece of it. Um, I think in terms of 
in terms of how this occurs, you know, um, it doesn't necessarily have to be, you know, one, it doesn't have to be that uh, there's kind of one country in charge of the world. It could just be a kind of one country in charge of its own, of its own territory and a kind of like mutually assured destruction dynamic um, that sort of makes, renders the situation stable. Um, so uh, anyway, it seems worth pointing out that it's not necessarily like one country in charge of the world, one government in charge of the world or something, which um, sort of makes it seem less conjunctive. I mean, if it's that, it's, it's, you know, it's not the whole world that's under a bad situation, but, um, you know, some fraction of it seems, seems pretty bad. And, you know, it seems like if, if some fraction of the world that's kind of at the frontier of technology is kind of in a bad situation, then, you know, it seems like the, there's, there's, there's some risk of either a large fraction of the whole future or all of it ending up in this kind of bad state. So, um, I don't know. Those are some pieces of it. We could dig in more, but maybe I'll just start with that and see if if, if you want to if you want to go deeper on it. Yeah, and I guess I'm just remembering now from the talk because you said stable authoritarianism. It could either be like the AI is in charge, or a human is still sort of in charge but controlling the AI. That's correct, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, I think when I talk about this, I kind of imagine a world where like the alignment problem is solved. So you you have the ability to build really powerful AI systems that are doing what the operator wants. But, um, you know, here it's just the operator is kind of, is like, is, a, is the government and it's not necessarily reflecting the will of the rest of the people. All right. So out of these three scenarios, the scenarios of stable authoritarianism, and the slow takeoff scenario, it sounds like to me that they won't lead to the extinction of humanity. Yeah, would you say that humanity is less likely to be become extinct because of AI uh, and more likely to just be in a dystopian scenario instead? And given that two out of the three scenarios sound like they won't lead us to extinction? I think that's right. Um, so, um, and again, I kind of flag kind of processing this and I feel like my views on it are sort of in flux, but um, yeah, I think that's right. And maybe one, one caveat on that, uh, you know, I think the, 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 the slow takeoff world, um, I think it could be, it could be an extinction world or it could be a kind of flawed scenario. And I, I think it's hard to know which it'll be. Um, one way to think about it is, there's some kind of like share of power between um, between humans and aligned AI systems on one side and like AI systems that are not aligned on the other side, speaking really schematically. And, um, you know, depending on those shares, then you could either end up in a situation where, you know, each side gets a proportional share of what's at stake or what happens is some kind of compromise between them. Or you could have a situation in which maybe intuitively like, uh, maybe one side eventually takes all with probability that's like kind of proportional to to um, their share of influence, um, and so the former two things are are more like dystopias, and the third thing could end up being more like uh, just kind of losing control of it eventually. So there's some question about like what is actually the stable outcome of that, and and uh, I, that seems really uncertain to me. But they kind so of, you, maybe from a practical point of view, they all seem kind of comparably worrying. 
just to clarify, so the dystopian ones are the stable authoritarianism and slow takeoff or stable and fast takeoff? Ah, um, yeah, I, so stable authoritarianism is the dystopian one. And then I think there's a slow takeoff one. Slow takeoff could be dystopian or it could be extinction. Um, in the extinction scenario, there's kind of a power imbalance and then eventually one side wins out. Um, so, and it, you know, it might not be that the stable outcome of a slow takeoff is a kind of compromise between the, 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 the factions of humans and aligned AI systems and like these unaligned systems. Uh, how about for fast takeoff, uh, which scenario of extinction or dystopian would be more likely? Yeah, um, I think even that is like uncertain to some degree, but I guess I think something closer to, I mean, I think, but I think, I think the system, the scenario that, that worries me out of that draw the most would be one where um, humans have basically lost all influence over the future, kind of um, similarly to how, similarly to how, you know, in the world, the world today is in like the hands of humans and not in the hands of apes. And uh, so like a kind of like second species type intuition. And that could be literal extinction or um, it could be just, I don't know, maybe there's, maybe there is a compromise, but the, the scenario is just, the, the concern is really just being, um, having, having the rest of the future really be driven by the design of this misaligned system. Yeah. And then, so given that two out of these three scenarios, you're saying that they're more likely to be a dystopian scenario than extinction. How could we start to tell that? Because, you know, if, if this actually starts happening within 30 to 50 years time, would we be able to tell that, okay, we're already experiencing a drastic curtailment, a curtailment of our potential, that we are experiencing an existential catastrophe? Or could it just be like, it's a poorer trajectory change, but um, it's not yet in the level of existential catastrophe. Um, yeah, I think it's, I think it's, uh, that's an interesting question. Um, to some degree, there's, to some degree, it may be difficult to tell because you know, there's a question of, you know, if, if there's a kind of a question of what you mean, if you say, when did this existential catastrophe occur? And one way to think about it is like, when did you cross the point of no return? Um, it's like, at what point was it, you know, there's no, there's no coming back from this. Um, so, and I, and I think, you know, that's, that's not necessarily going to be totally obvious. So for example, like just to be cartoonish about it, you know, if, if you had, if you had um, a state that's kind of like, has total control over its population using an advanced AI system. Um, you might think it looks like stable authoritarianism, but like, how do you know if it really is stable? <laughs> maybe it's not. Um, and you know, maybe that's clear enough if the if the lead is if if the if the power is like kind of overwhelming. But um, I think you know, there's 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 uncertainty and questions to be asked about that. And sort of similarly, similarly in the kind of like slower takeoff scenarios, you know. Um, you could have situations where power is like effectively entrenched in a way that's going to be hard to walk back um, with, with kind of with, 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 with misaligned AI systems and that, that itself could be kind of opaque. So, um, so I think like you could, you could, I think actually it, it may not be easy to tell 
at, at what point, um, if this does occur, that you are actually, you have actually kind of like crossed over to a, a trajectory that you can't recover from. Um, obviously you could see signs of it, like, uh, you know, I think that the signs of the kind of like government, severe government oppression would be probably, probably the clearest. Um, and in the other scenario, um, but I think the other scenario could be a lot more ambiguous. Right. Yeah. So what, so Ajaya Quatra just gave a talk before it is. So what are your thoughts on her work on when might transformative AI be achieved? And uh, have you made any updates to your personal forecasts of when TAI will be achieved based on it? Yeah. Um, so I think that is, uh, that's a really interesting and, um, and impressive report. And, you know, I'm, I'm still kind of thinking through all the par parts of it. Um, I feel most convinced, I feel most convinced and intrigued by the, the kind of analysis in that report that's um, specific to neural networks and like the short and medium horizon scenarios that Ajaya covers. Um, to me, uh, to me, I think looking at those was, was somewhat of an update that the, the computational requirements for those looks, um, maybe more than I had, had, than I might've guessed. I'll, although I, I, you know, I was, had like kind of very uncertain opinions about it all. Um, so I just think it's, it's kind of like made some of my opinions about that a bit more robust. Um, if anything, um, if anything, I think maybe it's somewhat, somewhat decreased my, my credence in um, the sort of like shortest AI timeline scenarios, um, but not, not drastically. Um, so some, somewhat decreased there. I think, um, you know, my, like a lot of my overall views are somewhat sympathetic to, to the, the, the conclusions of that report on AI timelines. So, um, you know, I think, Coming in, but I think before that report, I would have said that a kind of like a plausible guess is, uh, you know, just thinking about like the the span of numbers of orders of magnitude of flops between like a human brain and evolution. Thinking about that is like um, kind of with some kind of agnostic prior would be like the kind of rough rough case coming into it, and that is uh, that is fairly similar to the bottom line of the report. Um, uh, and then there's, you know, there's additional work in there about, uh, about, about reasoning about the, um, reasoning about the, you know, when you'll have that, that number of flops. And, uh, you know, I think, uh, I'm still thinking about that. And, um, but, uh, I think for me, the most interesting and informative piece of it was, uh, the analysis of the flops requirement of the, the neural networks and framing it with the, um, the horizon length concept, which, you know, I'm, I'm still deciding exactly what I think about, but, uh, but yeah, I think it's, I think it's a really interesting report and, uh, yeah, I appreciate the, the analysis of those scenarios. All right. Yeah. So switching gears a little bit. So some effective altruists subscribe to the view of patient long-termism that instead of focusing on reducing X risks this century, uh, we should expect that this crucial influential moment lies in the future and we should be preparing for that time. So what are your thoughts about this view? And do you think more EAs should be interested in that? Um, yeah, my thoughts on this view, let's see, a couple of things to say about it. 
I do think that uh, I feel more inclined to kind of bet right now on on AI being the kind of like the big event to save up for um, instead of instead of you know something else. Um, that said, I do think that um, I do find it quite plausible that that the the effective altruists that are interested in long termism are are over invested in that. Um, it seems to me that. Um, you know, less thought has been has been put into the alternative, uh, you know, alternative what the alternatives are. And I think I do think if it's not, um, you know, I think I think people have put some thought into AI. They think they but they're they're putting some thought into um, risks from bio. And I think I think that's great. Um, and, but you know, thinking about how to do how to do patient long termism properly. Um, and how to kind of like save for the next thing, whatever it might be, um, does seem kind of underserved. And so I kind of like, I welcome the discourse around it. Um, I do think that, uh, I do think like I would have a version of patient long-termism that is kind of focused on like the next century or two, because, um, you know, I do think that I do think that we're living in a time in history where um, scientific and technological progress is especially fast. And I, uh, you know, my strong prediction is that that is, is not continuing at like uh, the current like percentage year per year growth in 300 years from now. And um, I think that, uh, you know, the existential risks that we are aware of that are the biggest ones look like they're technologically driven, or at least a lot of them are. And so, um, you know, I, I think that, I think that, uh, you know, we, we are, li- I think we are like living at a time in history where it seems like, uh, where it seems like um, we should expect that these kind of like biggest and most transformative events are, are likely to happen. I think it'd be very unhealthy if the effective altruism community like went all in on patient long-termism in a way, because um, I think there's something quite important about, um, about like having concrete things that you're working on and like getting experience and, and feedback. Um, and so, you know, um, that would be my, that would be my, my high level summary is kind of like, um, my bet is that kind of waiting for something better than AI isn't the best thing. Um, but I like really welcome people thinking about how to do that best and, uh, think that that might be underserved by the EA community. Yeah. I think a mental model for this could be, okay, there's the urgent long-termists who think it's this century. That's the hinge of history or most influential. And then for the patient long-termists, I guess, okay, which century is it? Is it next century, two centuries from now, or is it 10 centuries? I think within patient long-termism, there could still be lots of uh, gradations there, right? Yeah. Yeah, that's right. Um, Like maybe I'm just kind of like responding to some of the discourse, which sort of sounds like it's kind of taking a very patient version of it or putting like quite low odds of uh, transformation in the next century or two. And I... um, I think, you know, I think those odds are, are pretty high. If I think that if there are transformative technologies that pose existential risks, it's quite likely that we, we see them in the next century or two. All right. So we're almost out of time. And unfortunately, I could, can't 
uh, ask these audience questions, but I guess for your, I'd love to hear your last thoughts on what you would like to see in the X-risk space uh, or long-termism space in the Asia-Pacific region. Um, you know, I, I think I really don't know the answers to that. And I guess I would, uh, so I think to a, to a significant degree, I would kind of like to see people from the, from, from that area thinking about that for themselves and kind of arguing it out and, um, you know, yeah, just really, really figuring out where they can, where they, where they fit into it. And I think I don't know enough to be very prescriptive. All right. Yeah. So maybe people in Asia Pacific could come up with their own forum posts, laying out the case and even writing out a grant proposal and submitting it to OpenPhil potentially, right? Yeah. I think people thinking about it, uh, yeah, thinking about it themselves and arguing it out and, and yeah, coming up with the actions feels, uh, yeah, feels exciting to me. And I think I, I don't, I don't feel ready to kind of weigh, weigh my own opinions too hard on one side of that scale. All right. So that's all the time we have. Thank you so much, Nick, for uh, your time. And I hope everyone enjoys the rest of the conference. Thank you.